0: Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio Broadcast. I'm Jonathan, and I'm going to be bringing you a special broadcast this time. We've been on the radio program uh, periodically now taking you through our grace-based recovery book and kind of going through the nine principles that are part of that um, small group resource. And so in this session, we're going to be looking at the... The third principle in the grace-based recovery book, which is grace to share your story. And so I I hope this helps you understand what it can look like in a grace-based environment to unpack your story, confession, repentance, all that kind of stuff. And, of course, if you'd like information on the book or to get your own copy of the book, just go to grayspacerecovery.com. You can also get access to the webinars that we've been doing because that's where this information comes from is the webinars that we've been doing on training on these sessions. So you can go to grayspacerecovery.com to get that information. Hope you enjoy the show, and uh, we hope it's beneficial for you, and we'll see you back here next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. So in this session, we're going to be looking at that third principle of grace to share your story. So let's dive in. The main idea in this session is to tell your story and in in a larger sense, tell the truth. And one of the key things that comes out in this lesson is that if you never tell your full story, you will never experience full freedom. So there is a correlation There's a relationship between the degree to which a person is willing to bring their whole life into the light, all of their brokenness, all of the things that are in the dark. There's a correlation between their willingness to put themselves fully into the light and the degree to which they will experience the freedom that comes from being in the light. And I will say that this is usually a progressive process. It's a rare thing. In fact, I I don't even know if I could think of one actual real illustration of this, where a person comes into a recovery group and literally on day one of their disclosure, they've fully and thoroughly and comprehensively unpacked their story. For one thing, if you've got a 50-year-old person that's coming into a recovery group, you can't unpack that story in one sitting. So you, we need to realize that there's a patience element to this, that it's going to take some time for people to tell their full story, but that it's absolutely worth it because, again, if they never tell their full story, they'll never experience full freedom. So we want to invite and create those spaces that are safe enough for a person to to unpack the full story. The scripture passage that is foundational at helping people understand this is actually found in 1 John, and we're going to see in a little bit how this also ties into Uh, to confession. But 1 John chapter 1, and I want to just read to you verses 5 through 10, because these are the verses that are the Bible passage for this particular um, lesson. And the Word of God says this, This is the message we have heard from Him, which is Jesus, and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. You know, there's one one key line in here that I really... I love how it helps us understand some of that idea of freedom and fellowship that can come through really unpacking your full story and bringing your full self into the light when it says, but if we walk in the light, meaning we are bringing our lives perpetually into the light, there's movement there because guess what? Every day is a new, you know, uh, verse, so to speak to your story. And so we need to be continually walking in the light. It says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and we're cleansed from our sin. See, there's a communal aspect to this when it comes to telling our story that's necessary. We don't simply tell our story to God, we don't simply make our confession to God. We do that in the presence of others. And that's really what walking in the light looks like. It's in the community of the saints that we find this unpacking and and fully revealing uh, of our story, so that's the main idea is that in this session you really want to invite people into telling their story and telling the truth, telling the full story so that they can experience full freedom There's some key thoughts that uh, are sprinkled throughout this lesson. the first is we've been talking about it your full story must be told now what this means is we've we've shared in some previous webinars that uh, We're not necessarily saying that the full story means that you are literally going to be speaking out all the graphic details of the things that you have done. But the full story means there can't be any part of your life that remains covered, that you're trying to hide, that you're seeking to be deceptive about. This is about being a truth teller. And so the idea here is the second key point is we want to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. To tell your full story means that you need to learn how to be a truth teller. And the way you do that is you have to ask yourself, first of all, is it actually true? So it needs to be fact. If we're telling something that isn't true, then you're not going to be able to really share your full story. Did whatever you're saying actually happen? Did whatever you say you thought actually be something that you thought? It needs to be true. Uh, otherwise, you're just deceiving yourself and others into thinking that you're ever going to grow and really experience full recovery. But the other thing you need to ask yourself is it's not just about facts. It's about are you revealing the fullness of the facts, the whole truth. I see this happen a lot in people who, are, who want to justify themselves as being a truth teller by saying, I, I didn't deny the facts. But then we realize they're still trying to construct it in such a way so as it doesn't really look as bad as it really is. In other words, I'll give you 10% of what actually happened because if I gave you 100%, that would really reflect poorly on me. I wouldn't look too good. And so we need to tell the truth, but we also need to tell the whole truth. Everything needs to come out. And then here's another key too is, is addicts are fantastic storytellers. We can become, we can be fantastic liars in the sense that we will tell the truth, but then we'll embellish it in such a way that we'll we'll make it more than what it really was. And so what we need to do is we need to hold back and just say this is what happened. I've actually seen some guys in recovery before almost get a get a thrill out of even expanding their sinfulness. It's terrible. But it's like okay, so I I had an affair. And the fact might be that I had an affair with one individual one time, but the embellishment is I had 12 partners and hundreds of times. And it's like they're almost getting a kick out of embellishing their lie. And so what we need to do is we need to say, is it the facts? Is it true? Is it the whole truth? Am I still trying to cover something up? And is it nothing but the truth? Am I not trying to embellish this and make it more than what it is? Next, we need to recognize that effective confession is communal. Remember that passage that I shared from 1 John 1. A lot of times in our Western society, we are so focused on the individual that we miss what this passage is actually telling us. See, we think this passage about confession and walking in the light and all those types of things is really about me personally. And so we read it in our minds this way. If I say, I have no sin, I deceive myself, and the truth is not in me. If I confess my sins, God is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. See what I'm saying? But how it actually reads is, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, we miss this a lot in our Western culture. We want to have our prayer closet, right? We want to have something where it's like, I'm just going to go get alone with God. And don't misunderstand. Solitude with God is an important part of our overall relationship with God and what it means to grow as a Christian. But it is not separate Our our faith and our growing and even our prayer and our confession is not something that God expects to be separate from community with other believers. And so what we need to recognize is really, truly effective confession. The way that we really learn how to walk in the light is when we learn to confess our sins in the presence of others. Recognizing that, listen, I can confess a sin to another brother or sister in Christ. They have no power to forgive me of my sins. So when I'm confessing sin and looking for forgiveness, we recognize that God is the one that forgives sins, but we're to do that in the presence of brothers and sisters in Christ. And so are we practicing that? Are we recognizing that if if I'm going to really engage confession in a way that, that breaks my heart over my sin, that gives me a godly sorrow that leads to repentance, I need to do that in the presence of my brothers and sisters in Christ. And then finally, uh, This lesson teaches us that grace leaves the door open to wanderers. See, sharing your full story and starting to unpack your life in the presence of others, let's just be honest. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. We don't like that. Uh, And it's natural. I mean, think about it. To... To tell your full story means you have to tell of all of your brokenness and all the things that you've done wrong. And so that's uncomfortable. So a lot of times what we see is we, we see people start to get into this process and it just either becomes unbearable for them or they, they, wanna, they find themselves relapsing and they just kind of go away. And then, you know, four, five, six months later, they reappear. And grace teaches us that we leave the door open for those folks. I have, I have yet to know a single person that has had a recovery without stumbles, without falls. Everybody falls. Everybody stumbles. Everybody struggles. So recovery is this process of, I like to think of it as stumbling in the right direction. You will fall. But the Bible tells us in Proverbs that the, though the righteous falls seven times, he rises again. So even in the stumbling, we recognize we can keep getting up. And what we need to do as a community is when those people who have wandered off come back, we don't need to sit there at the door with our arms crossed, chastising them and saying, well, no, you need to serve your penance and you need to, you need to be, quote unquote, really sorry in order to reenter the environment. No, it's like your presence is welcome. Every person in this room is a broken sinner in, the need, in need of God's grace and so we have no right to look at anybody else even if they've been gone for a long time and say we're better than you because we've been we've stuck around no think about the prodigal son think about the prodigal son the father ran to meet this son who had been wandering off and then he throws a party because his son had returned then what we've got is some key questions some key questions that you need to ask in order to really unpack this idea of how you really tell your full story. And first is just this question of what scares you the most about being fully known. I mean, let's just be honest. It's scary. It's scary when you start thinking about all the, the things that have been done to you, but then also the, all the dumb decisions that you've made, the ways that you've willfully broken God's law, the way that you have repeatedly broken God's law and done things that are offensive to, to him. So it's scary. To, to admit that and, and basically say, I'm a mess. I've messed up a lot. I've done some really terrible things that have hurt myself and hurt other people. And so you need to unpack what some of those fears are because those fears are the things that are going to cause you to want to maybe not tell the whole truth, right? Maybe just kind of dip your toe in. And so you have to admit your brokenness, your failure, your weakness, your lack of self-control, your selfishness. You got to admit all that. And you also have to recognize that to really do this well, to really unpack your story well and really enter recovery fully, you might lose your reputation. You might even lose some relationships if you admit these secret sins. In other words, you have to embrace humility to enter grace based recovery. And let's just be honest that can be a scary proposition. So let's be gentle toward one another in this recognizing that there's not a person in the room who's seeking to recover from something that doesn't have fear. And so if we're gentle with one another and show some empathy towards one another, then maybe we can better encourage each other to embrace the humility that's necessary to really unpack our stories fully. Second, we have to ask ourselves, is telling your story a one-time event? And the simple answer is no. And the reason I say this is because today is a new verse or new chapter in your story. So every day is adding more to your story. So we need to be, as it said in that passage in 1 John, as we walk in the light, there's, a mo- there's movement in that. Every day is a little more walking in our lives. I will say that there, there, there's usually a moment or a season in which a huge chunk of your story that has never been told comes out at once, or at least, you know, in a particular season. But what we need to do is we need to get into the practice of confession, which is really a a way of telling our story. Because confession simply means to agree with truth. We talk a lot about confessing sins, but guess what? We We can also confess victory. A confession is simply agreeing with what is true. So in other words, if you look at your each day, day by day, there's a necessity to tell your story day by day. So that could look look like a check-in call with somebody of saying, I'm going to tell you where I failed. I'm going to tell you where I succeeded. I'm learning to be a storyteller, learning to be one who tells my story day by day. It's a great practice. Um, if we get in the practice of daily confession, it can have powerful transformation effect in our hearts because confession is going to keep us in that state of humility because if you recognize that every single day, you're going to have to confess some sin. I'm sorry. There's not a day that goes by that we don't sin in some way. Uh, And so that confession reminds us of our need for God, our need for His grace, and it keeps us humble. And then finally, another key question is, How can you overcome the shame that fights against you telling your full story? Because again, as you start unpacking things, your shame wants to come up. And shame is that idea that because you have sinned, your value before God decreases. Shame tells you the lie that you are your mistakes, that you are your sin. In other words, it's an identifier. In other words, rather than just saying, I made a mistake, shame says you are a mistake. And so how can you overcome that shame that fights against you telling your full story? Well, I believe we have to stand on the permanent, eternal, infallible, unerring word of God. And so when the word of God says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that's one way to overcome shame. When we bring our sin into the light and God says, guess what? I will take that because of what Christ has done on the cross, and I will cast that as far as the east is from the west, and I will not hold that against you. We have to trust that His Word is true. Our emotions may take some time to catch up to that but we fight shame with the truth so that we can continue to bring our lives into the light, walking in the light day by day, not allowing that shame to cripple us or control us. And that's really where I think the, the, uh, the group exercise for this particular lesson is really helpful. One of the things that I've added to the group exercise that's not actually in the book is to keep a victory log for the next week. So when you do this session for the following week, keep a victory log. Cause so many times we're so keen on keeping a failure log, right? We want to just always point out our failures and there's a need to confess that, right? We're going to see in a minute why we need to do that as part of our group exercise and, and confession and telling the truth. But part of the telling the truth is highlighting God's provision of giving us that way of escape when every temptation comes, right? First Corinthians 10, 13, he promises to give us a way of escape. He doesn't promise to remove the temptation but he promises to give us what we need to stand up under it. And so when we see those victories, when we see those times when there's been a clear temptation, and by God's grace and his power, we've resisted that temptation, keep a victory log and learn to tell the truth about victories in the same way that you learn to tell the truth about failures. So the group exercise is this. Telling your story is an exercise in telling the truth about yourself. So what you need to do is practice telling the truth by testing it. So in the group exercise, it's saying, think, think of anything that you've done in the last week. It doesn't even have to be something pertaining to recovery or addiction. Just like, okay, think of something that you did. And then go through the, the practice of telling it using those questions of, is it the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? And you might be amazed at how many times you find yourself retelling things that have happened in your life Maybe through a particular grid that you've developed that either keeps certain things back. In other words, you're not telling the whole truth or you become an embellisher. You tell more than what it is, or maybe you just cut facts in half and you don't even tell what is factual. So this practice helps you think through, is it true? Is it the whole truth? Am I adding anything to it? Cause is it nothing but the truth? And as you get into the ha- that habit, it goes a long way for helping you become a truth teller and getting your full story out. So then you can experience full freedom. Okay. So I'm going to stop the screen share here because I wanted to, uh, I want now to be able to invite you uh, to ask some questions and be able to interact with me on this particular session. So the idea of grace to to share your story. Um, Let's see if there's any questions that have come in here. Uh, here we go uh when it comes to uh telling you know sharing stories and confession and those kind of things what if someone has done something illegal in their past how do you deal with them telling their story that's a great question and um you know sadly there's there's it's on the rise the number of people that are getting into things like child pornography or doing things that are illegal uh, on the internet or maybe even in their, in their lives when you think about prostitution and those kind of things. So when we, when we try to set up people telling their story, we do need to let them know that, uh, well, let me, let me put it into two categories. One is there are those who are legally uh, required to report. So that would be your licensed professional counselors, pastors, some of these other folks who are bound by the law, that even if somebody tells them something, they have to report it. So if it's an illegal activity, they have to report it. Now, when it's like a friend telling another friend, that's more of an eth- personal ethical question. And so a lot of times what I will say is, okay, we, rec- we recognize that sometimes in people's history, they've crossed legal, legal lines. We still want to help you, but we want you to understand that you have to make the choice of how much of that you're going to reveal. Now, understand, I just talked about truth, whole truth, nothing but the truth, right? And I do believe that the whole truth will have to come out for that person to experience full healing. But when you're dealing with illegal behaviors, I think there's a place and a time and a context in which to actually do that. And that person needs to think through Um, how they want to address that. And usually we will defer those to professional counselors to be able to deal with that and say, talk through what it would look like if you were to, you know, reveal this and what the ramifications are and and how you can travel that road. And uh, we've got quite a few people that we correspond with in prison um, that we still seek to help through our ministry because we recognize that just because somebody has crossed legal lines, it doesn't set them into a different category of needing help. I mean, they still need help. They just might be receiving that help in a completely different environment than a lot of other people. Um, but I want to I say this as a little aside, especially for the people that we've been serving who are in prison. I have been amazed over the years at the, the men, especially that I've interacted with in, in, in prison, who are experiencing more freedom, more freedom in their recovery than many men i've worked with on the outside and so physical environment does not always equal spiritual and emotional freedom i know guys who are incarcerated that they are more free than some guys who can you know that are on the outside that can go and do whatever they want and yet they're still imprisoned to their addiction and their stronghold so let's be careful of thinking that externals external environment translates to what recovery really looks like but when it comes to somebody who's maybe done something illegal um let them know that they're going to have to be the ones to decide what they share and with whom and then encourage them though that help is still available and that uh that you know they still need to walk in the light in the same way that god instructs everybody else to walk in the light as well another question here is uh what does it look like to welcome back someone who hasn't been in group for months because of failure or apathy? Um, We've had, so I've been doing a a group on Tuesday nights at my, at my church for let's see, uh, uh, 18 years. And uh, so week in and week out, 18 years been doing this. So I've had a lot of seasons to see a lot of guys come and go. And it's been fascinating because when, when guys have, you know, checked out and then, and then come back, you know, most of the time, the guys, when they come back, they're sort of kind of heads hanging low and they're, they're kind of feeling that sense of, of shame and embarrassment. And what we always do in the group is we say, listen, the rules of our group haven't changed just because you've been gone. We still care about confidentiality here. We still care about lifting each other up. We still care about these things. And so it's like, Hey, Come back in. And in fact, most of the time, there's an incredibly welcoming environment. It's it's almost as if uh, you know, we don't go into a whole barrage of questions like, Where have you been? What have you been doing? It's like, hey brother, it's so good to see you. Come on in, there's coffee, let's let's catch up, you know, we'd love to just hear how things are going. And and there's something incredibly refreshing about that. And I think because the tone of the group has been set that way, a lot of guys don't want to bail out even though it's hard. And by the way, let me actually respond to this question by talking again about the environment of what a grace-based recovery group looks like. When you establish an environment that says every single person who comes through those doors has a permanent value before God that is no less than his love expressed through Jesus Christ. When you set that tone that says, listen, whether you have a great week, whether you have a lousy week, God says he loves you. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you. When you set that kind of an environment, that kind of tone, in many ways, even though this is a messy, difficult process and it's hard to tell your story because there's a lot of fear and there's shame that wants to attack you, when that has been made the foundation, when grace has been made the foundation, you find it far more difficult for guys actually to bail out. But when you're in a performance-based environment that is very, very clear that we're going to be cheering for you when you're doing well, and we're going to be beating you up when you're doing poorly because we're going to say your value fluctuates based on your performance, guess what? It's easier to bail out of that group because when it gets hard, you'll be tempted to lie if you want to stay in the group because you want to look good. You want to look like you're doing well. You don't want to give, give anything back. But in a grace-based recovery group, it says you had a rough week. God still loves you. Let's learn from those mistakes and let's encourage you forward. You had a great week. God still loves you. Doesn't actually love you anymore. Let's let's learn what it's like to be in this momentum moving forward and let's cheer you on to keep going. It's like up or down, grace-based recovery says your value is constant before God. That's why I think it's in a grace-based recovery that actual transformation takes place. Actual recovery takes place because we start to see then the grace of God soften our hearts. The grace of God help us understand and approach sin from a different level. The grace of God give us the courage to tell our story in an ongoing way because God's love for us is at a constant. So that's important. Let's see, any other questions here? Um, I've got a good, nice comment here about... um, using the definition of grace-based sobriety versus performance based sobriety and principles, uh, that we, that I taught last time. Good. Yeah. It's very important there. The, the last session we looked, there's actually a table in the, in the book that talks about just like what's the difference between grace based environment and, and performance based environment in terms of how it manifests. And I think it is important to have a clear picture of that. So we understand it's kind of like when you, uh, Uh, When when the government is training agents to discover or to be able to identify counterfeit currency, counterfeit money, they never actually look at any counterfeit bills in their training. They only look at what an actual bill looks like, what the actual currency looks like. And that's so that they can know it so well that they can spot a counterfeit immediately. That's what I think we need to do with grace-based recovery. We need to understand god's grace so well we need to be able to understand how in in titus 2 it tells us about it's the grace of god that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live upright godly lives in this present age it's the grace as we understand and have a clear picture of the truth and of of what that grace is then it becomes easier to be able to discover or or identify when any kind of performance-based uh things are coming in so it's more about focusing on that grace-based and then we can really recognize the counterfeits very, very quickly. We've got another question here. Um, how, oh, what if someone's story just isn't changing? In other words, they aren't getting better. How does a grace-based recovery group respond? Okay, this is a pretty common question. So, you know, you have what I call your serial confessors, right? They come in and it's the same confession every single week, literally the same confession every single week. And this is one of the, the uh, criticisms that we've received over the years of our whole grace-based approach is they're like, yeah, see, I don't think this is actually helping transform people's lives at all. It seems like you're just giving license for people to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Here's the thing. A grace-based approach does not ever wink at sin and say, hey, it's okay. Just keep doing what you're doing. But at the same time, we have to be careful that we aren't the Holy Spirit. We aren't the one that can produce and, and force transformation in another person. What a grace-based group needs to do to that person that's coming back in serial confessing is, is pose challenging questions, such as, are you really enjoying having to confess the same things every single week over and over and over again without any kind of change? Uh, can we unpack that? Can we try to explore where you are in this pattern of every single week, literally the same thing. Brother, we love you. God loves you. And he loves you so much that he wants this to become increasingly uncomfortable so that you will begin to actually look at those areas in which you are making those decisions that go down based on these triggers and other things down this wrong path. And so let let us help you. And so we, we, we want to explore. And as we start maybe unpacking that pattern and realize, hey, it's at nine o'clock every single night that this brother is having his slide into his repeated sin over and over again. Well, guess what? As he's willing to unpack that, this is about sharing your full story, right? As he's willing to unpack that, a grace-based recovery group responds and says, hey, give me a call tomorrow night at nine o'clock. Or better yet, you want me to give you a call? I'll be happy to give you a call at nine o'clock and I can pray with you and help you get your mindset right so that you can shift the paradigm. You can begin to think differently at that time at night. And then then call me the first thing the next morning and, and tell me how you did. This is about accountability. Grace-based recovery doesn't say, we don't care. We don't get involved. we don't. The, the idea of grace-based recovery is continuing to say that your value won't change no matter what you do at 9 o'clock tomorrow night, but your experience of joy and peace and your experience of of God's love and your experience of God's presence absolutely does depend on what you do tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. So I hope you understand that. We're not saying that behavior doesn't matter. We're not saying that if a brother is a serial confessor and coming back week after week, and you're not seeing any transformation in his life that you can't challenge that person. Um, we're told in scripture to bear one another's burdens. We're also told to confess our sins to one another. We're told to encourage one another. And so there's an accountability that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. But in that we have to recognize that we are not the Holy spirit in this person's life. And ultimately that person has to make the decision about what they're going to do at nine o'clock tomorrow night. And all we're trying to do is say, You know, you could have a whole different experience. God's love for you will not change whether you hit a home run and resist that temptation tomorrow night or whether you tank and you go the way of your flesh. But your experience in that moment of of life will definitely have an effect on what you do at nine o'clock tomorrow night. And what we want you to do is we want you to experience the abundance of the fullness of God's peace and joy. And what that requires is you to obey the Holy Spirit when He is showing you that way of escape. And obedience in the moment may not be very comfortable. It may not feel good. But I promise you, every single time, the other side of obeying God is glorious. The other side of obeying God is a good moment. And so we've got to help each other in a grace-based environment to say, obedience is still... A necessity of living out this Christian life, okay, we've got one other question here that I want to try to tackle before we um, end the webinar this time, and it's this: uh, How do you respond to someone who just refuses to go deep in telling their story? Okay, I think I get this question it's it's, it's asking you know when we're talking about you can't experience the f- full recovery without te- or full freedom without telling your full story, and you get some people that you can kind of just tell they just they want to be toe dippers. You know, they just want to dip their toe in and and I'll just kind of see where this goes and, and maybe I'll dip my toe in a little bit more. I would say this, and this is this is hard maybe to hear, is be patient. Be patient and be empathetic. This is a great moment to live out the golden rule. Do unto others as you would like them to do unto you. If you think about your own journey, are there not moments and even seasons in your own journey where you're like, I'm kind of moving at a slow pace. I kind of don't know if I want to go all in. I'm kind of feeling a drift happen, happening here. I don't want to pull out completely, but I, I'm kind of feeling like, I don't know if I want to go all in. Well, in those moments, don't you want people to be patient with you? You want them to be gentle. You still want them to be present. You want, you know, so offer that patience and that empathy in those moments. I think it's a great time also when you have people that are that are, that are struggling. They're just kind of toe dippers. This is a great moment for those of you who have had more experience and had more seasons of like that, where you've gotten to the other side and you've recognized that there's there's greater momentum when there's obedience and faithfulness. This is a great time for you to share your story with them. Make it reciprocal. Say, you know what? I actually understand what you're feeling. And let me tell you what it was like for me in 2013, when I went through about a six month period where I was just like, I kind of wanted to have one foot in and one foot out. And when you share that story and they're able to see that you came out the other side, you're moving forward. There's some faithfulness going on in your life. I think that's encouraging for those who are feeling like, I don't know if I really want to go all the way in. And so this is where you need to bring in some of your old timers, the folks that have been on this journey a long time that can speak into those people who are wondering if they really want to push through this particular threshold and find new hope and new freedom. So, Great questions, everybody. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.